against the grain. When you decide to step into what you believe is your calling, like your purpose, when you decide to go after what you want, like the version of life that you feel is right for you, when you decide to do what you love and what sets your soul on fire and what feeds you internally, you're going to be met with opposition. In other words, when you go after your dreams, you're going to be met with a wave of resistance. And a lot of that causes a lot of people to stop and turn around and get back in line. But that's because we've been conditioned to believe that success in any form, career, health, um, relationships, friendship, anything, should be easy. Like it should just fit in. Like you have a puzzle, like a a board, and there's like a few puzzle pieces missing, and the exact number of puzzle pieces that are missing are in a pile next to you, and you just got to sift through a handful of things and then plug it in. Like you don't have to work. You don't have to fight. We've been looking at, we've been trained to kind of look at resistance the wrong way. And an example of this is everybody is walking downhill, right? You have like a thousand people walking from the top of a hill to the bottom of a hill. And you decide halfway down the hill that, oh, wow, no, like, what I want in my life is at the top of the hill. So you turn around and you start going against the grain. You tell me how easy that's going to be. Not not easy at all. But you know that what you want is only at the top of the hill. What everybody else wants may be at the bottom of the hill. But what you want is at the top of the hill. So you have to go through that. You, you literally have to go against the grain. And along the way people are going to be like, what are you doing? Hey, what are you, what are you doing? Like, it's down there. Like, you're going the wrong way. Look, everybody's going this way. Like, you got to get back in line. And at that point, you, like, like most of us, we cave and we succumb to societal pressures, that peer pressure. And I mean, I like to call it fear pressure. You turn around and you get back in line and you go, go with that. Because we've been made to believe that success should come easy and it should feel right and natural and it should fit in place. That's simply not true. There's a quote by Steve Duncanson that says, The moment you stop fighting for what you want, what you don't want will automatically take over. You said something that was super interesting to me, and I had to write it down just so I didn't forget. When we were growing up, like especially for me, I think, it was always I was always told that if it comes easy, then it's the right thing. Like, if it's, if it's hard, then it's not right. And that struck me on a whole new level now that we're doing our own business and taking matters into our own hands. The easy thing would be to have a job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The harder thing is to find clients ourselves. And that was... I don't know if you have you ever heard that by by your parents like if it's easy or it's right. I I I don't. 
I don't think I heard it explicitly, and it's not the example that I bought into. It's not the model that I subscribe to because, like, I guess fully because I saw my dad. Well, then I'm wondering if my mom, like, only said that because they struggled so hard that they were like, the e- just if it's easy, go for it. Yeah. Do what's easy. Yeah. Well, because, like, and that's where, like, that's the great difficulty. That's the great hurdle that we, like, first generation or second gen- generation Indian American immigrants. Like, that's the great hurdle that we have to fight because our parents came here and they went they stepped into a completely unknown territory and they had to fight. And it takes a different breed. And that's where the whole concept of like, oh, you millennials are lazy. Like, and, and I can't tell you how many friends I, th- that we have that we're like, you know, our work ethic is just not the same as our parents. Well, yeah, because we think it's supposed to, like that whole entitlement concept, like we think it's just supposed to be easy. No. Uh, it. Everything is about perspective. And for our parents, they came here and they fought so hard and it was so difficult that they didn't get the opportunity to fill their own cup. Right? So they were constantly running on Eve. They were running on fumes the whole time and they built this thing up. And when they gave passed the baton to us, now they're like, they're exhausted and they're like, you don't want to do that. Like, don't go do that. They're trying to protect us. Yeah, but if we want the happiness, meaning if we want to be ourselves and live in sheer joy and do whatever pleases our heart, it might be the harder thing. Some of us might be lucky and it might be the easy thing. I think nursing is a great example of that. Like I love, love, love nursing, but my blood is entrepreneurship. Yeah. So I'm choosing hard just for the hell of it because I want to. But, yeah. You, there's always, 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 always more. And I believe that, like, as much as our parents, like, I mean, when I decided to quit, right, my parents and your parents both were like, why? Like, why are you? Like, why can't you just, you know, do music on the side on the weekends? Nobody's stopping you. But, like, why don't you maintain that safety? And that kind of, like, just goes into the whole concept of being half pregnant, but, which I didn't agree with, but it was, I craved the struggle. Like, I wanted to put my back on the wall because, and I didn't know it at the time fully, but... It was almost like intuitively I knew that that is where I would find myself. It is only through going through the storm that you find yourself. Like if if whatever a different scenario played out and we were sitting here never having quit our actual jobs, we would be giving zero value. It's literally in the dark. The skills that we acquired in the dark. And still, we intentionally decided to send ourselves into there. That's actually interesting because there's so many people who, like, things have happened in their life to where they have been in the dark, not intentionally. And we, in a weird way, almost did it intentionally because we believed in this so much 
and we knew that there was no way we would be able to provide the value that we wanted to provide unless and until we had gone through it in our own way. Yeah. And that's where it's like, I don't know. I think, it, I think it's all weird. Like you, you like you, we didn't jump into this. It's the beauty of accidents. Right. Like I didn't know that I was going to end up in the dark quitting corporate. I thought I had a whole plan mapped out. Same. <laughs> right. And it sent me deep diving into depression, anxiety, us, marriage, marriage counseling, like all of this, like super overweight, unhealthy, everything. And that was my dark. And in that moment, I have a choice. And the same company that I quit came calling and offered me, uh, like, do a rope my way. Said, hey, come on, let's bring you back in. Let's bring you back. Turn around. Follow the pack. Get back in line. And I, I took it. And I was miserable. And it served as a reminder for me why I left in the first place. So I did it again. And the last day, like, my that my, my boss at the time was like, what do you mean you're quitting? Like, you're not Era Rahman. <laughs> and in that moment, you have a choice. The choice I chose, like, what I chose, because I had already seen what it, what the dark does, and I knew that the dark doesn't play nice. Right? Like, the devil doesn't, the devil doesn't hug you. He grabs you. And if you mistake a grab for a hug, you become one of them. So in that moment, I could have been like, oh, it's okay. Don't worry about it. You know, you're right. But I didn't do that. I said, don't ever say that again. I'm quitting anyways. What, is he going to call HR on me? Like, monster. you have to fight for what you want when you quit. It's like, why can't you, why can't you just work three days a week and then, you know, the other four days do do this. But you were on fire. You felt that passion, right? Like what what went through your body, your mind, when you decided to quit? Like what was your oh I'm going against the grain moment? I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I'm real I walked on fire and I told myself the coals weren't hot enough, so I'm I'm working on that. Um but sometimes I feel like it was just easier for me because you had already quit. And our savings account was pretty enough. And I thought that if... I knew that if I joined, then we would be able to get this thing going a lot quicker than if it was just you. I don't know. Like, I'm in grad school, and I do... Like, I just feel like I'm a weird story, because I feel like I still do have that safety net. So that's where... Because I'm in grad school. Like, yeah. I know I'm going to graduate and be a nurse practitioner in a year. Mm-hmm. And in about a year and a half, I'll be making great money. Right. But. But right now, it's kind of scary. It's, well, yeah. But even there, like, even even once you graduate, right? Like, you're, you realize what you're doing as a nurse is not No, normal. so... So I guess you're right. There's two ways this could go. Like, it could go the way it's going, how it's projected to go right this instant where we're all in on this. And when I graduate, I'm going to incorporate holistic nursing into what I do and open up my own place versus me pretty much working three days a week 
while in grad school and then graduating as a nurse practitioner and being a prescriber and seeing patients like normal and not really focusing on prevention and holistic care, which I would enjoy, but not nearly as much as this lights my soul on fire. And that's actually funny that you say that because I had, I'm, I'm a year, I have a year left in grad school and I was looking up holistic nurse practitioner programs and there's one, there's only like three of them, um, but there's one in Tennessee and I was looking to see if I could actually transfer so I can finish the holistic NP program versus finishing at UT mm-hmm. and then going back to get my postmasters in holistic. And one of the first things my mom said to me is, no, I think, I think you should probably finish and then go back. But I'm like, why would I go back and do more school when I can just switch and finish that way? And I mean, I haven't looked into it, but anymore after that. But that's, it's interesting that you say that. You literally just did a profile of me versus me. You just <laughs> said, I, there's two ways this can go. I can either continue doing what we're doing, stay all in on this, and then as I graduate, incorporate like the, the holistic care, incorporate the actual medicine aspect of it into me versus me and open up your own place. Versus, you said the word versus, versus doing nursing three days a week and then doing this on the side and then just kind of doing them separately and then da 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 Focusing on prevention is that. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's, like, it's like the worst me that would, that would be settling and not be happy versus the best me, which would be thriving every single day doing what I love and not even it like it not even seeming like work which is what I'm doing right now even though things aren't guaranteed and that's the great decision that we have before us most of us right like our parents all came here and busted their asses like they worked so hard to give us a life that they didn't have access to like they literally came here and lived the American dream and they put us up and we got the baton not at the starting line. Like, it's like halfway down to the finish line. We got a head start mm-hmm. because of their hard work. And that head start can either be used for, by us to propel us or to prevent us from actually living the life that they never got the opportunity to live. They've done everything they could to give us a life that they, we, that they didn't have access to. Mm-hmm. I believe it's our duty now to take that and extend where the finish line is. It's to run the same race that they ran. Not just accept that we have a shorter distance to run. Does that make sense? Yeah. If, yeah. if we're supposed to run 100 feet, they just ran 100 feet, and we get the baton at 50 feet in, we don't just run 50 feet. We run a hundred because past after 50 feet is a life that they didn't realize existed. And past that 50 feet is where our dreams live. It's a life above the norm. And we find that hard to justify because we have all this cushion because we have this lifestyle. We're like, yeah, but like, is it worth it? Like, 
you know, what reason do I really have to, to, to like throw everything away and go against the grain? Like, why would I go against the grain? Why would I sacrifice everything and ruffle feathers when I already have something that's pretty good on paper? Well, and I actually, it's, it's interesting. Like with my family, they're my, they're all car dealers, mm-hmm. right? My, my dad's a car dealer. My grandpa in India was a car dealer. My, that was my dad's passion. So he came here and he worked his jobs that he needed to do essentially when, when he could buy and sell cars, he would do that. And now they have a retail store and that's what my brother didn't. Like he ended up joining, and sometimes I feel like, are they? Do they get complacent? Like I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. live there. Completely different state, but I wonder, like, what's something more that they can do? Because they're chilling. Like they love what they do. They wake up and literally love what they do. Mm-hmm. But is there is there complacency in loving what you do? It's like I think about nurses. Like we enjoy what we do to a high level, but there's. We, we get burnt out very quickly. Mm-hmm. So is there complacency in that? Like, but I feel like people just don't know how to, they don't know what, what they want. Like what else could they do that could provide them that joy? Cause I feel like we're just like, we're essentially just bred to like work, make money hundred yeah, percent, and then move on. I, I do. I, I 100% think that there is complacency in doing what you love. And, like, I say that with an asterisk because it's not necessarily complacency doing what you love. I think you get complacency with the lifestyle that doing what you love provides. And you don't fully do what you love. You don't look beyond what's in front of you. You don't play the long game. I believe... Complacency, like the definition of complacency, like in my world, is a lack of innovation. When you stop innovating, you become complacent. Mm -hmm. You have to do things differently, continuously, forever. Because you'll never get to, you don't know. That humility, that I don't know what I don't know, like keeps most, like all the successful people, like the most successful people in the world. Why would you do that? You have you have a billion dollars. Like you're a billionaire. Why would you do something differently? Why not? Mm-hmm. Why would I just cage myself in? If I would have done... if Like, okay, if I stop now... It's... And I'm like thinking about it and I connect the dots all the way back. Somebody asked me why I would do more when I had 500 million. They also asked me when I had 10. So at $10 million, if I never decided to do something differently and go against the grain, I would have never got 500. 500, if I never did it, I would have never got a billion. What, what, what's more? Mm-hmm. Like, what do I have to gain? Yeah. You, it's a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. Right. Expansion versus maintenance. And maintenance does not exist. And I think that's where people get stuck. They think that maintaining exists. It doesn't. You either go up or you go down. There's no, like, I'm just trying to maintain, you know, I'm just trying to sustain. I'm just trying to keep what I have. You're operating out of a, it it may be like a dolled up version of it, but you're operating out of scarcity. It's a lack. It's a lack-based mindset. Love is abundant and limitless. So why not try something different? Yeah. 
That's crazy. What you're actually saying by I don't I don't I don't want more. I don't want to try anything different. I'm content. What you're actually saying is I'm terrified of failing and losing what I have. I, I don't I don't know how to handle failure. Therefore, I I understand that growth is only achieved through failure, and um, I'm so much more scared of failure. Like I hate failure more than I love growth. So I'd I'd, I'd rather not. You know, pros and cons. Just stay here. I'll stay here. Yeah. So you stop going against the grain, and you become one with everybody else. You coast. That's interesting. Hmm. I guess I have a question for you. Hmm. At how many different points could you have stopped? <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, I honestly cannot count, but I have no reason. Logic would have... Logic is dead. Like, logic died a year and a half, two years ago. I... What, I'm coming up on three years out of corporate? Yeah. I've never been better. And that's why I always say, like, I'm a different breed. But I say that because you have to gas yourself up. Nobody else is going to come and pat you on the back. Because they're like, oh, well, if I do that. Like, if you don't pat yourself on the back, nobody will come pat you. Because they're like, well, like, well he doesn't know that he's incredible. Mm-hmm. And, and if I go up to him and I, like, pat him on the back and I try to tell him he's incredible, then, you know, there's going to be, like, this inferiority complex. And maybe he'll be insulted and, like, people overthink logic. I say I'm a different breed because I know how many, I know that everything said I should not continue. Depression, anxiety, insomnia, like failure after failure after failure after failure. I'm still failing. I'm the most successful failure in the world. <laughs> I, be- like, I love that. I love that about me because I love growing. Marriage counseling or divorce. Personal development. That was before I tore down the walls and faced my demons. That was before I understood how much self-sabotage existed in my world. And that's why going against the grain is not easy. It's not supposed to be easy because the truth is, if water has paved a path for thousands of years, to go to a village in one way. Now, all of a sudden, there's some reason that they have to cut that off. Or it's just ineffective. You have to allow water to pave a new path. You have to do the work of diverting the water. You have to create new pathways. Which all of these things exist within you. It's really, truly not other people that you're going against. Is yourself. But that version of you that you're going up against has an army that you can see. Mm-hmm. And we get caught up in that, bogged down in that, because we forget that the version of you that you're trying to become has an army that's infinite. You have God on your side, right? Like you have source, you got power, like right? you got real power on your side. Yeah. And that's why when you're when you walk into a room with I never understood this about me, but it, there was peaks of, of, there was moments in my life, flashes, where I thought I would come alive and I felt like myself. Every single one of those moments, I would walk into a room and somebody would try to fight me. 
And I would always say, I don't know why people just try to seek me out. Like, literally, I don't do anything. I'm smiling, laughing, having a great time. People come up to me and try to start something. I don't know why. Now I do. And it's because, the, like, namaste, like, the light within me, but the light within you, that's when you got two people that are operating on the same frequency. But when the light within you steps in front of somebody that's hiding their own light or has forgotten about their own light, they start lashing out at you. That's what happens when you go against the grain. The people that you grew up with, your family, anybody that knows you is like, what are you doing? That's not you. That's not you. That's not you. And now you got to say, no, that's not me. Mm-hmm. This is. Right. That's so interesting. I, I know, like, for me, when I started this journey, and we're going to do a whole episode on the power of proximity, but it's the biggest blessing that I was, I've been married to you and you've gone through this because because of you, I've had to step up. And I've realized that if I didn't step up, then I would probably lose you because, I mean, if somebody is operating at such a high frequency and then your spouse is not operating at such a high frequency, it can cause a great amount of tension. And I realized that and decided to step up because I didn't want to lose you. But it's so it's so interesting, like, even when I go home sometimes to Indiana, like, I am a I am a different person because I'm operating out of a higher frequency and my family doesn't necessarily fully know me on this level and they think that I'm the old person. Mm-hmm. So I have to fight essentially not fight but I have to remind myself that they don't know you at this frequency. Yeah. They think that you're still operating out of that frequency so they're treating you like that but just show love. Yeah. Just show love. You just show love, love and yeah. that's it. Which is, I mean, it's a really cool concept. Well, that's like, and and that's where like I laugh at when you say you had to step it up. Yeah. Right? Because, because literally like I was this love dude sitting on the couch and I'm like, I'm grinding, I'm grinding as I'm <laughs> eating Oreos all the time. Right? Like, but that's, that's why having somebody that does bow to the light in you, somebody that sees that. Like a tribe, or just like one person. It could be a digital person, it doesn't matter. Sees that in you. It's so powerful because your competition is with yourself. Internally. Externally, you don't want to lose what you have. So for me, you are operating at a higher frequency. And I had to, I had to make a choice. Step up or lose. And I didn't want to lose you. So you, I basically, it, like we're running a race, imagine. Yeah. Right? And you're ahead of me. And I have to set my sights on the finish line, not on you. You haven't got to the finish line yet. I have to set my sights on the finish line. And then I have to bolt to that. And you get tunnel vision, and then I actually accidentally passed you. It wasn't my intention. But like when you run through a finish line, you don't literally stop moving there. You have this period where you're jogging, you're slowing down. You thought that was a whole new race, so you stepped up. <laughs> and then you passed me. And then I passed you. And then you passed me. And what does it look like when you're walking? One leg after the other after the other. So you have this movement, this co- like this cohesive thing. And that's what I want. I mean, I, like you said something about a tribe. I, I think yeah. I've been craving that so badly. Like, yes, I've grown up with 
the girls I've grown up with and I've made some new friends, but I just want people who want this just as much as we do. And I want, like, that's why we started Me Versus Me was to help people get out of their own way so they can see their potential because we did it. Yeah. And it, it took all so much hard work, but hey, look, like, we can help you because now we know what it's like to go through that and we can help you help guide you through that process. Yeah. And I just, I want so badly to create our own tribe of me versus me people and just literally have an army of people who are just living life unapologetically on their terms within our culture. Because it's it's within our culture that has so many caps. Yeah, boxes. And we are so held down. Even, like, I feel like I grew up in such an incredible family and even in my, like, my parents were car dealers. Like, mm-hmm. they weren't the typical engineer, lawyer, doctor. Like, I didn't grow up with bukus of money. But even with all that love that I had, I felt limitations. Mm-hmm. And not to any, it's not their fault. And that's what I want everybody to understand, that it's not our parents' fault. We were, we were here and we were raised and they did the best that they could. Everything else after that, it's your fault. Mm-hmm. Like after that, it's it's on us. Yeah, and that's why we did me versus me because yeah, our parents, like you said, they got us to this point in the race. Now, what do we do with it? And what do we do with it? And if we don't decide to take it and go in our own way, not in a way that serves them, because in the end, if you're not happy, you're not serving them anyways. Exactly. Well, that's the thing, right? Like we spend all of our time running. Their race, trying yeah. to finish their race, and they live vicariously through us, right. and we do exactly what they tell us to do, and even if it's like we just met this auntie three times, and she told us that we can't do something, you know, it's disrespectful to, you know, show that we're unhappy with what she's telling us to do. Yeah. Health and fitness, right? Like, we see, we feel it. Yeah. Okay, 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 we get it. You guys are fit. Now, enough. Like, why? Like, yeah. what you, like you're telling me I'm too healthy? Like, what? There's no logic. There's no logic. It's because other people, like, not that many people have it. Our job is to run our own race, not finish anybody else's. I love that. And that completely ties into, like, filling your cup and doing what you love and taking care of you. Because in the end, that's all you have. Like, and, and, like, we say it's not for everybody else. We're not doing anything for anybody else. But if you... We crave connection and love in our lives. Therefore, if you want that connection and love and you want to maintain it and flourish it, you have to take care of yourself so you can show up for the ones that you love to the best of your ability. You can show up as your best self. And I think that's just so powerful. I mean, I would just real quick on that. Like more than showing up as your best self, it's showing up as yourself. Yeah. Because no matter how many relationships you have in your life, if they're predicated on a version of you that is not you, you will never be fulfilled because you're like, well, that, I mean, that relationship's fake. How many people walk around, especially Indians, are like, oh, she's fake, he's fake, oh, that's fake, I hate fake. Mm-hmm. Well, that why are you faking? Mm-hmm. When you stop faking it, you, you, like other people get a decision. They get to make a decision. They get to either become friends with the real you or back up. I was listening to um, Ultimate Edge with Tony Robbins, mm-hmm. and one of the one of the things he was talking about is essentially like you're gonna lose people 
When you start to do the yeah. things that you're doing, people aren't going to agree with you. And if you listen to them, then you're going to be held back, number one. But if you don't listen to them, then they're not going to be happy with you. And they're, you're going to start to lose people. People are going to drop off. And that's okay. Yeah. Because you're doing you. Really cool. Anyways, I think it's time. All right. Let's give some takeaways from this episode because I think we were a little bit all over the place. Mm -hmm. Not really, but I just want to kind of tie it all together for our wonderful audience. So, against the grain, let's tell them like the top five takeaways from this. Top five takeaways. One, the things that are meant for you are not easy to get to. Two, by making a change in your life, you are literally reinventing yourself. You're reincarnating as your true self. Three, you can't be soft. Meaning, when you step out and you go against the grain, you cannot please people simultaneously. Four, it's always worth it. It's the only way to a life of fulfillment and true freedom. And five, all of this in mind, it's really just me versus me. I love it.